1: Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilme. Thanks so much for
2: listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilme Show coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. Alan West will be on, find out who he's doing just two weeks after getting COVID-19 and briefly being hospitalized, of course, in the wake of Colin Powell's death after getting COVID-19, but he had underlying conditions. Uh, meanwhile I'll be taking your calls you know that and let's get to the big three
1: now with the stories you need to know it's Brian's big three number three
3: what we didn't know was where they were going we did see two planes fly in with uh, about a hundred migrants and then they were put onto buses and then they were dispersed around various places in New York why is this such a secret operation why is no one talking about it
2: No idea, but we are. And the New York Post story really is creating shockwaves throughout the country. Border outrage. As suspected and rumored, illegals are being flown in planes around the country late at night to suburbs around the nation. And we have the proof, the cost, the secrecy, and the signal to the rest of the world, come one, come all.
4: Number two. President Biden has to get more involved. The power of the presidency is your leader of the party and you're also a convening entity. Get Manchin, Sanders in a room. I think the burden's on the White House. They've got to take control of this.
2: By the way, that is Chuck Todd. He's hosting Meet the Press. Why is he pushing for the White House to pass something? Is that what he's supposed to be doing? It's the economy. And if you're uh, Biden's Build Back Better plan, you must be stupid. The state of the spending palooza as Bernie and Manchin do meet, and Biden prepares to harangue lawmakers all week long.
5: Number one, we want to have our valued employees, but we need for public health for them to be vaccinated. What we've seen from the fraternal order of police and particularly the leadership is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half truths, and frankly, flat out lies in order to induce an insurrection.
2: What are you talking about? That is the ridiculous Mayor Lori Lightfoot of Chicago. You are out. From the football coaches to teachers to cops, large percentages of Americans are choosing to quit rather than get vaccinated under this administration's draconian decrees. The divider-in-chief is at it again, and I'm not kidding. I'm going to just give you some idea. Now, most of you are vaccinated. If you look at the stats, maybe 70% got double vaccinated, a little bit higher. If you're a senior, I think the number's 85%. To me, that shows the country's right on track, right? Because you cannot mandate 350 million people to do anything. And for those under 18, I don't think there's any mandate. Soon there will be, and that's going to rock everyone's world. I'll add this. If the durability of this vaccine is what Israel's showing, that 9 to 12 months... If you think this is bad, now you're going to have to get everybody back again for boosters or another vaccinations on a regular basis? The way you're dividing the country right now, Mr. President, you got to be kidding me. So, give you an idea of what's happening. In Oklahoma, a recent analysis by the Tulsa World found that teachers' retirements in Oklahoma were up this year 38%, mostly because of the vaccination. We're facing a chronic shortage in North Carolina. A company owned by Garland's son-in-law received, uh, by the way, you know this, uh, by... Uh, The Attorney General Garland's son-in-law received at least $27 million from a school system report, uh, and that is about the uh, critical race theory. California protesters stage walkouts across the country, across California, uh, from the Inland Empire to San Diego, all the way up to San Francisco. They are against the mandates. In Chicago, more than a third of the police departments have not reported vaccination stats, so they don't even know. And they right now are under deadline that if you don't report by a certain time, you're fired. This is a stare down uh, and we'll see who blinks in Seattle. The police fly a Gatson flag, which means don't tread on me on their patrol cars as they fight the vaccine mandate there. There's a a great percentage about uh, there's a great percentage of these police officers that don't want to get vaccinated. Ninety percent of police's police force is, but they'll have to fire 10 percent. They are already down 20 percent. Should they really be firing 10 percent of their workforce? Mayor Lightfoot caught Sunday at the WNBA finals without a mask on. Violation of her own decree. Cut three.
5: The police unions are not authorized to strike. It's in their collective bargaining agreement. And it's a matter of state law. What we've seen from uh, the fraternal order of police and particularly the leadership is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half-truths and frankly flat-out lies in order to induce an insurrection. Um, and we're not having that.
2: In order to induce insurrection, it's these cops saying... You've uh, not supported us. You've hamstrung us. We're not allowed to chase down criminals. You've taken the side of every criminal in the world, let them all out of prison. And now you say, if I don't get vaccinated, I should resign. So they're saying no one's going to tell you their status. It's a brilliant move. So Nick Rolovich, Washington State head football coach, recruited heavily from the University of Hawaii, is out, along with four assistants, because he did not get vaccinated. Now, he put in for a religious exemption. They are not waiting. He's fired. That's the governor's mandate. You're firing great people. Kyrie Irving of the NBA, the union stood up and told the NBA, we're not going with a mandate for our players. But if you're in a state that mandates if you're indoors to get vaccinated, what are you going to do? If you're Kyrie Irving, you don't get paid $18 million. The Nets basically told him, you're in Brooklyn. I don't know what to do about it. But if you're in Florida, you can travel the country for one day, visit unvaccinated, take a test, and you're fine. That's fine with Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac is playing for Orlando. He's playing for the Magic. Here's what he said last night. He says, I'm
6: not getting vaccinated. Cut six. You know, a lot lot went into my decision for not, you know, deciding to get the vaccine. For starters, I've had COVID in the past. You know, I've come to understand that our reactions in terms of immunity by natural infection is uh, robust and long-lasting. And so I have that um, with my current uh, physical fitness level and my age group, I don't feel that I'm in a category of, you know, feel or necessary need right now to get the vaccine. And then and so many others, man, such of the craziness and the vitriol going around right now, people losing their jobs, um, just I feel the, the, the blatant miscarriage of information by the media um, has turned this thing so sour and it's been politicized. I
2: look at a thing, just to give you an idea, you might not be a basketball fan, but man, you got to be impressed by Jonathan Isaac, and uh, the eloquent way in which he puts it, I had it already, it's natural immunity, that's the whole focus, getting antibodies into a system, The uh, the mRNA, I get it, it's a little bit different, but for the most part, show your body what it is, and it'll find a way to stop it. Jay Bochiera was on with Laura last night and says can't believe that Anthony Fauci continues to spout that he is the oracle of wisdom when the guy never puts on a lab coat or really understands any data. Now he's saying Johnson & Johnson should have been a double shot last night and he never takes in natural immunity. We should be flooding the country with antibody tests right now. Quality antibody test. If you can get a swab in everybody's nose, you can certainly get an antibody test. Cut nine.
7: What we have is a a uh, an institution led by Dr. Fauci, who's in charge of in, uh, essentially the science of uh, funding you know f- funding immunological research, and he's denied natural immunity from uh, which we've known actually you know we've actually known about it for quite a long time. With this, the, the the evidence on this is mounting, but it's been mounting. It we knew it a year ago, and the effect is that we. We have so many people forced out of their job by vaccine mandates that do not acknowledge natural immunity. Nurses who got COVID during the, during the last year recovered and are actually quite immune. And Dr. Fauci continues to deny it. It's absolutely amazing to me.
2: It's, it's unacceptable. Unacceptable. And what if you're that Washington State coach? You move your whole family from Hawaii. You think you're going to be here a while. You're trying to turn this thing around. What if you came here to play for that coach to Washington State, which has years in which they compete uh, in top 20 school at times? Now, all of a sudden, that blows up. What about those other kids that are involved because of a vaccination mandate from a belligerent, green-oriented Governor Inslee? And can I add that the numbers of cases— and the number of hospitalizations and the number of deaths have gone down precipitously, and especially in Washington, there is no reason for this draconian policy. So I'll move on. Let's talk about the economy, and let's talk about the deal that is not done yet. Over the weekend, uh, liberal, excuse me, liberal, uh, socialist Bernie Sanders publishes an editorial in a, Washington, in a West Virginia newspaper ripping, ripping West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, a fellow Democrat. Same thing. Kamala Harris, vice president, goes and appears and tries to push for this $1.9 trillion spending package in West Virginia without telling Joe Manchin. He is basically the only Democratic lawmaker left in that red state. And Bernie Sanders thinks by writing an editorial, he's going to turn Joe Manchin's constituents against him. Clueless. And to me, I'd be furious. Manchin ripped back at him. Well, yesterday they they met and afterwards, the press was all there. Cut 14.
6: We're talking. All right, we're talking. You're going
5: to have a resolution by the end of the week, it sounds we're like? We're
8: talking. We're
2: talking. <laughs> okay. They're talking, which is good. Uh, if you're a Democrat and want to see $1.5 trillion into a system that already has inflation at 5.4%, which is gas and added to another dollar, which has uh, everything that we buy from children's shoes to cars more expensive now we're going to put another, I don't know, $3.5 trillion, if Bernie Sanders gets his way into the bloodstream. Well, Joe Manchin says, I'm not for this $150 billion green infusion in this bill. I am not for uh, free preschool or free daycare. Uh, paid leave, I should say, a cornerstone of President Biden's growth agenda. He says, I don't think it's going to be effective. I think it'll put too much pressure on businesses, and it'll be money we don't have. He also thinks it should be means tested. Also, purging from the bill, just to further expand on what I just said, according to the New York Times, um, the $150 billion of clean electricity performance program, it looks like Joe Manchin wants that out. So with all that out, is it worth it moving forward? Joe Biden has to sit there and harangue lawmakers all week. Here's Chuck Todd, cut 12.
4: President Biden has to get more involved. Police reform, these two deals. The only one that's made any progress is the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Why did that make progress? Well, the the White House ran the negotiations here. You know, at the end of the day, the power of the presidency is your leader of the party, and you're also a convening entity.
2: Okay, can I just say, could we just point out... That is a total being, he's being a total advocate. The guy he replaced, um, well, wasn't the guy he replaced, but the guy, the iconic figure in that newsroom, Tim Russert. Tim Russert would never go to bat and say, I want George Bush's spending program passed. Tim Russert would never go to bat and say, I want Bill Clinton's uh, tax increases passed. But that's what Chuck Todd is doing. You wonder why people don't take the guy seriously. I mean, I could see if you're asked a question and said, the question is, hey, uh, how does Joe Biden get this passed? Well, traditionally, presidents would get one-on-one involved. LBJ would do this. George Bush was great at one-on-one diplomacy. The guy that was distant was Barack Obama, always reluctant to get his hands dirty with Congress. That's how you answer the question. I mean, I'm making no—I'm ju- about I'm pulling any punches. I don't want to be a host to Meet the Press. I do think this spending program is totally agenda-driven. It's not for us. They're not even asking our opinion. I mean the American people when I say our. And when they say get personally involved, the president got personally involved, got Republicans and Democrats together. If he can't get Democrats to Democrat, I mean, he's just the worst leader ever. Britt Hume, cut 17, thinks something will get done, sadly.
9: One has to believe that in the end uh After all, MANCHIN has said he would favor a spending bill a social spending bill just not one as big as the staggering three point five trillion that Senator Sanders has claimed is absolutely necessary and indeed has said is, is a compromise um, Mansion is in the driver's seat here he he, he has the decisive vote along with uh, perhaps several other of his colleagues and um, what he will go for is what they 'll have to probably accept in order to get the thing passed so I think my sense about it is that they're going to get something and it'll probably be pretty large, just not as large as the one that was advertised.
2: Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Uh 866 And, you know, there's other people that have made a stand and said, I don't want them linked together, these so-called moderates in the House, uh, from r to uh, the um, uh, Gottheimer here in in New York. They said, you yeah, know, I don't want this both passed together. So are they going to just back off and, and look as though they're paper tigers? I don't know. Uh, remember how many times Nancy Pelosi said we're going to have a vote and it's going to pass? Didn't happen. So everybody's credibility is lost. And when Nancy Pelosi loses credibility, the media goes quiet. When things pass, they're going to say she's a master negotiator. Joe Biden brings people together. Joe Biden, when he had a chance, sided with the lefties, not the moderates. That's the problem. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West in, in about 12 minutes. But next is you. I know you have a lot to say on that. Also, the blockbuster story. Said, you know, when you have 1.5 million illegals minimum cross our border, you ask yourself, what happens to them? We're beginning to find out. The New York Post has a major story. I will will tell you what is happening, maybe in your city, in just a moment.
1: Holding our politicians' feet to the fire, no matter who they are. That's Brian Kilmeade.
0: This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Information you want, truth you demand. This is the Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: What we didn't know was where they were going. So we had a tip off that they were flying into uh, Westchester uh, County Airport in white Plains in the dead of night, two, three, four in the morning. Uh, so last week we went and had a look, and we did see um, two planes fly in with uh, about a hundred illegal or hundred migrants. Uh, get off the plane, uh, and then they were put onto buses, charter buses. Uh, They had a police escort out of the airport, and then they were dispersed around uh, various places in New York, Long Island, uh, also New Jersey. They were dropped off on a rest area at the New Jersey turnpike.
2: That was Miranda Devine who helped uh, leading the editorial charge to break this story. The New York Post has gotten information about these flights going after 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, landing full of illegal immigrants, uh, seemingly in Jacksonville as well as Westchester County. And they're being ferried by buses to various suburbs and way stations and um, and I guess these— Non governmental uh, facilities, NGOs, and then they'd be ferried to people that they say are sponsor families or relatives. So it just goes to show you. Being a member of the cartel pays off. Being a human trafficker pays off. And I don't know what these charitable organizations are doing. Do they understand the big picture? You might want to help somebody, but you're actually torturing them because because you're helping a 12-year-old from another country whose mom sent them with some stranger. Because they get here and you're able to put them into a townhouse in Syosset, New York, because they get that, the message is for thousands of others to send their kids here, many of them will die in the jungle, be abused along the way, killed along the way, or never arrive at all. So is that okay? So listen to some of these scenarios. Friday night, uh, a, a bus left Westchester Airport barreled down the Hutchinson River Parkway, which is off limits to commercial vehicles at speeds greater than 75 miles an hour across the Throgs Neck Bridge. Around 1230 Saturday, it stopped in Syasa Long Island, which is about 40 miles out. On the, on the campus of Mercy First. It's a private school that cost about $10,000 $10, a year to go to. It's now a nonprofit sponsored by Catholic Sisters of Mercy that provides housing and services for children and adolescents who are... Victims of societal problems. Victims of societal problems came to our country illegally or victims? I'm not really sure how that goes. Jacksonville, Florida, a bus after they arrive in Jacksonville takes them on a two-hour trip to the Twin Oaks Academy, a juvenile detention center at the a National Forest near Tallahassee, where staffers were waiting to open up their gates topped with bob wire. So all these places cost money. All this money goes to them. All these illegals come out of our wallets when we can't afford our programs, and we're $28 trillion in debt because we will not look into our immigration. We're always supposed to have room for refugees. It helps our country. Love first-generation Americans. Don't like our illegal immigrants coming here, using our services, going to our schools. English has a second language program. But they don't go to Beverly Hills. They go to working-class areas, often overtaxed, underfinanced, overcrowded. I'll bring that up to what's happening uh, with Texas, with a guy located in Texas who wants to be his next governor there. That's Lieutenant Colonel Allen West. Also, the fact that the IG will look into what happened with Afghanistan and why we left the circumstances around it. Uh, Colonel West served there. He'll talk to us about that
9: from the fox news podcasts network i'm
11: ben Dominich, publisher of the federalists and i'm inviting you to join a new conversation with the smartest thinkers
7: out there about the country and where we're going subscribe to the ben Dominic podcast
9: subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. from his mouth
7: to, to your ears or...
9: it's brian kilmeade
7: The Biden administration wants us to completely ignore this and look the other way. We saw this happen first in my home state of Tennessee. The Biden administration began to ship migrant children in uh, in the dead of night. We caught them with, you know, on camera with private planes flying into Chattanooga, Tennessee. One of my friends was on a commercial flight and saw this happen as well. They landed after 1 a.m. They bring these children in. They put them onto the buses. They send them to undisclosed locations. One of the locations we did find out about had terrible crimes take place. They've actually had to shut it down. Yet there's been zero transparency from the Biden administration.
2: Why wouldn't you tell the governor? Uh, another stop. That, by the way, is Senator Haggerty. Uh, another, t- another time after a plane landed in Tennessee, Uh, A bus stop to Thomas Edison service area off of New Jersey Turnpike in Woodbridge. I know exactly where that is. 12.40 in the morning. 12.45 in the morning. Over the next two hours, they were driven uh, in cars, people who met them there, without anyone appearing to have shown any identification to the officials overseeing the operation. A woman who lives near the airport told the Post, New York Post, on Monday that a flight arrived there around 3 or 4 a.m. in the morning, and it was shaking the house and awakened her 8-month-old baby. Immigrants from the southern border getting off on the World Atlantic Airlines uh, airplane, never heard of that, and boarding charter buses at Westchester County Airport and White Plains that we were telling you about. That was on October 15th. So it was last weekend. Unbelievable that this is happening. But you got to wonder where they're going. They can't all go on military bases. And what happens once they arrive there? Lieutenant Colonel Allen West joins us. He wants to be the next governor of Texas. Uh, Colonel, welcome back. What's your response to this news that the New York Post broke that we've heard about reports on about these midnight flights full of illegals?
12: Well, it's good to be with you, Brian. And who would have ever thought that we would live in a country where our own Uh, Government is aiding and abetting human trafficking and that's exactly what they're doing. They're helping the uh, the cartels these transnational narco criminal terrorist organizations to become enriched to the tune of 25 to 30 million dollars a week. That's what the cartels are making just on the human trafficking, not the sex trafficking, not the drug trafficking. And we know, as you just heard from the governor of Tennessee, that this is something that has happened uh, previously. We know that they have been put on buses that are going all across the United States of America. Where are all of those Haitians who were, I think, what, 10, 15, uh, maybe 20,000 that were just recently down in Del Rio? All of a sudden, that place is completely clean. Where did they end up going? So, what we do know is that the Department of Homeland Security and the Department of Defense went into an agreement, uh, and so what they are doing is they're allowing these contracted flights to come into military installations like Fort Bliss, Texas, and also like Laughlin Air Base, which is down in Del Rio, and they are picking up and transporting illegal immigrants, and I guess this is what we find out that what is happening. They're landing in the middle of the night in places all over the uh, United States of America, which again shows that our government is aiding and abetting human trafficking.
2: So, but at these Catholic organizations that are taking them in, this uh, Our Lady Mm -hmm. of Mercy and all these other NGOs, they say, well, that's what we do. What do you mean that's what you do? Can anyone look around the corner and find out you're helping the person in front of you, but it's the go sign for thousands of other children to do the same thing, many of which will die along the way.
12: You're absolutely right, and it is uh, you know quite appalling that you have these non-governmental organizations that are getting federal grant money exactly. to, again, aid and abet human trafficking. So think about – I mean, taxpayer dollars are going to funneling trafficking, and, and this is just another reason why the cartels are even more inspired uh, to do this. And so one of the things that I would do as the governor of the state of Texas would be to revoke the licenses of these non-governmental organizations that are working inside the state state of Texas, to aid and abet illegal immigration and human and ultimately, I think, sex trafficking. And now we come to find out that the cartels are so emboldened, Brian, that they're firing across the border. They're firing at our border patrol. They're firing at our National Guard. We've seen video of uh, tracer bullets, machine gun fire coming across that border. That's an act of war. But yet we're doing nothing about it other than the fact that we're aiding and abetting their operations in trafficking humans.
8: So a
2: couple of other things I want to bring you to. China has this hypersonic missile went around the Earth and landed within mm-hmm. a very, very close to its intended target. It shocked our intelligence agency. We had no idea they made the advances they did. According to KT McFarland, it's the exact technology that we had that they stole. The Russians also have this. How many times are our intel agencies going to be surprised?
12: Well, that just shows in a complete failure, just the same as what we saw happen in Afghanistan. And, you know, if this were the Trump administration, then the, the mainstream media, progressive socialist left media would be screaming from the rafters about this. But now, as the Biden administration, the incompetence is wholeheartedly acceptable. And furthermore, we know that the Biden administration is compromised when it comes to dealing with uh, China in every way, shape, form, or fashion. But this, again, is goes back to the theft of the intellectual property all the things that we see the uh communist chinese that are doing here in the uh in the united states of america as a matter of fact we have two telecommunications firms that of course are controlled by the communist chinese party ZTE and Huawei, and they both have headquarters right up here in North Texas, not too far away from where I live uh, in Plano and also in Richardson. So why are we allowing the Chinese to have that type of foothold? Because if they have telecommunications company uh, headquarters here, guess what they're doing, especially in some of these major tech hubs, and especially when we have a uh, Chinese Communist Party, uh, a former official and officer in their army who's just bought a huge swath of land down near Laughlin Air Base, which is one of our major training facilities for our pilots, why are we allowing the Chinese to get this foothold and this footprint and continue to extract all of our intellectual property so that they can increase their military development?
2: I want to bring you to Afghanistan. You served there as a contractor. Robert Gates speaking about it. He said he made mistakes in the past. He said maybe tra- training them, uh, these soldiers, too much like a Western organized army mm-hmm. instead of one that would be effective fighting in the region they're in. Unbelievable that nobody adjusted because this is the second time I've heard this. So here's Gates talking about uh, Bro Biden being wrong on every foreign policy decision uh, and national security decision that he's witnessed. Cut 31.
7: You wrote Joe Biden was a man of integrity. Still, I think he's been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy and national security issue over the past four decades.
13: I think he's gotten a lot wrong.
1: You're talking all through the years
7: as vice I, president. I, I, he Se-
13: opposed every one of Ronald Reagan's military programs to uh, contest the Soviet Union. He opposed the first Gulf War. That list goes on. Now, I will say that in the In the Obama administration, he and I obviously had significant differences over Afghanistan, but he and I did agree in our opposition to the intervention in Libya and, frankly, on issues relating to Russia and China.
2: I'm not sure what that means, but he also was against the surge, was uh, for the first Iraq Mm -hmm. war. So everything he's been uh, backwards and the execution is just horrific for people that were involved in it, especially like Gates and maybe people like you. So now the Inspector yeah. General is going to look into. The Inspector General is going to look into this uh, to find out what exactly happened. Are you optimistic? An Inspector General will get to the bottom of it. It's a woman named Diana Shaw, and she told the Oversight. Uh, she told these committees that she's going to need uh, going to focus on the SIV program, the the explosion that killed uh, the drone strike. Excuse me, the explosion that killed. 14 Americans are wounded 20 and over 100 Afghans, and the whole decision making process. Do you think these IGs will get to the bottom of this?
12: Even if they get to the bottom it, what's the consequences? And that's, I don't believe anything's going to happen. Uh, I think this, again, a, a band aid over a sucking chest wound. You know, Brian, you and I can sit down and talk about what went wrong you and I could write a report about what went wrong. And so I get sick and tired of more government waste and more hearings and more IG reports and everything like that that the taxpayers have to pay for instead of just using common sense. And understand that this was a debacle and some people need to be held accountable for the poor decision-making that they did. Between the National Security Advisor, between the Secretary of State, between the, uh, the Chairman of Joint Chiefs, the Secretary of Defense, that entire National Security Advisory Council needs to be held accountable. And and, again, if there were anyone else, they would be asked to, to step down and resign. It would be all over the front page. But what instead happens? Joe Biden comes out, gives a press conference talking about now he's going to mandate vaccines. And the media has moved on past Afghanistan, not even realizing now that China is coming in, taking over Bagram Air Base, and they're going to take over and uh, get all of those raw materials there in Afghanistan to include lithium, which is so important batteries and electric vehicles
2: yeah while they torture muslims uh, it shows you how Absolutely. how uh, illegitimate their muslim the islamic fundamentalism is colonel how's your quest to be the next governor and first off how is your health and your wife's health
12: Oh, we're doing absolutely great. You know, I probably had the shortest bout of, with uh, COVID in the United States, uh, about four or five days, and the monoclonal antibody inf- infusion therapy went great. The budesonide uh, nebulizers cleared out the lungs and everything, so my wife and I tested positive, doing fine. I knocked out a little three-and-a-half-mile run this morning, so I'm fantastic. Wow. And things are going very well with our campaign west of the number four, Texas.com.
2: Uh, so it's going well for your campaign. I want you to hear... This sparring with Joe Rogan. By the way, I listened to the whole thing. He, they got along great. Sergei, Sanjay Gupta sounds like a great guy. I listened to almost the whole yeah. three hours. But the CNN just started ripping on Joe Rogan because he's not vaccinated and because he used ivermectin. So here's a little of this exchange. I want to get your take. Cut 10.
10: By the way, I'm glad you're, you're, you're better. are you. I'm glad it only lasted a day. You're probably oh, the yeah. only one at CNN that's glad. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not. The rest of them are all lying about me taking horse medication, they, <laughs> and we should talk about that. That bothered you. It should bother you, too. They're I, well, lying I, at your network about people taking human drugs versus drugs from It's it, Calling med- it a horse to is not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network, it, and it, it's a lie that's a willing... That's that's a lie that they're conscious of. It's not a mistake. Yeah. They're unfavorably framing it as veterinary medicine.
2: And and the the bigger picture is now they're vilifying the unvaccinated. Uh they are firing football coaches who are unvaccinated, mm-hmm. cops that are unvaccinated, teachers that are unvaccinated, nurses that are unvaccinated. So even if ninety percent of the workforce is if you lose ten percent of your workforce. Uh, You're hurt if you're an industry that depends on people like law enforcement, fire departments and teachers. uh, This is this is symbolic, I think, of a bigger story, don't you?
12: It is symbolic of a, big, of a bigger story, and this is about power and control. And we're talking about this is not a disease. This is a virus. It has very near a 100% recovery rate, 99.98%. And people should have the right, as part of their medical freedom, to decide what protocols they feel are best for their bodies. Uh, last week, Monday, after being released from the hospital, I was uh, given an ivermectin uh, protocol. I take one pill every other week, and that's something that is going to help my body. Well, and you so took ivermectin? Be... Yeah, I started taking it last week uh, after I was released from the hospital. So I don't understand why people are demonizing folks for having viable protocols that are out there and being offered to them. But this is part of the cultural Marxism, Brian, in that now we're separating people between the folks that have a shot and don't have a shot. And I guarantee you, those illegals that landed on those airplanes late at night <laughs> yep. up there in New York, they, they did not get a jab in the arm.
2: And the staffer, congressional staffers, don't have to get uh, shot either. So, did you get prescribed ivermectin?
12: Yes, I did get prescribed ivermectin. Sure did.
2: It's fascinating uh, because it seems to work. Japan, it's uh, it's the most prominent, uh, and India, the most prominent uh, mm-hmm. therapeutic. But in America, you get ridiculed. Unbelievable.
12: And, and in America, and in America also, they're trying to shut down the monoclonal antibody infusion therapy centers as well.
2: Did not know that. I went. When did that start? Yes, sir.
12: Uh, that has started where the Biden administration is going after the state of Florida that has opened up several of those centers. And so uh, that would be a great story for you to, to check out and look at because this, I'm telling you, it did wonders for my wife and I. And this is a very important protocol that people should have the ability to use, the monoclonal antibody infusion therapy.
2: And also I hear great things about Regeneron, but I also hear that they don't prescribe it much. I don't get it. Uh, got it to the no. president, uh, but not to us. So that's uh, I'm glad you're okay, Colonel, and it's nice to know that ivermectin is still getting prescribed uh, to people that want to get better and stay better. Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, thank you.
12: Appreciate you, Brian.
2: You got it, and he's working hard to be the next governor of Texas. When we come back, your turn, one 408 7669 or you can write me at briankilme.com. And a lot of you are at work now, and you can't really get on the phone. I get it.
1: Expanding your knowledge base.
9: It's Brian Kilmead. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, download and listen to The Untold Story with Martha McCallum. The host of The Story on Fox News Channel sits down with major newsmakers each week to get their untold story. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. A talk show that's real.
1: This is The Brian Kilmead Show. We
5: want to have our valued employees. But we need for public health for them to be vaccinated. So I'm not going to make any prejudgments until we see what the lay of the land is. If people make the choice that they don't want to keep their jobs because they don't want to be vaccinated, they will have that choice. I hope they don't make it.
2: Jenny Durkin, the mayor, uh, the beleaguered mayor of Seattle. She's uh, an abomination. And now that that governor mandate of everyone's got to be vaccinated is really causing people to flee their profession. Uh that is part of the Divide in America Biden plan. Dave, you listen on W O K V uh, in Ponto Vidra, uh, Florida, in, in and around that area. Hey Dave.
11: Hey, thanks so much for taking my call. Brian, I really love your show. I Thank wish you. I could listen to it all the time. <laughs> hey, I just uh, I gotta tell you, just a normal everyday citizen here, I it's it's astounding to me to see all the pushback from the media and the powers that be against ivermectin and other other drugs, other other options for treatment of COVID. Um, you know, they've removed videos. And I don't know if you're familiar with Brett Weinstein. He's got this Dark Horse podcast. And he does a really great job kind of breaking down some of the studies about ivermectin. You, those videos are banned from you, from YouTube. You know, and if you make any comment on Facebook or anything like that, you you know, you can get your account suspended. I've had that happen to me. It's just a, it's, it's a weird, weird time, man. I, I love reading dystopian novels. I never thought I'd be living in one. <laughs>
2: so. well, it, yeah, it's amazing, too, because they used to take down your account if you brought the, the, Chinese, the, the Chinese virus start in a lab. That used to get you suspended from YouTube and Facebook. Now it's pretty much considered conventional thought. Because Anthony Fauci, I guess, ultimately is so tight with Zuckerberg. You see those emails? They go back and forth. He was making these decisions. This guy never talks about therapeutics. I thought Laura Ingram did a great job last night talking about this guy, even with AIDS. Everyone wants to talk about therapeutics. He wants to talk about a vaccine. They never got the vaccine. And they're talking about therapeutics. People live with it instead of being prevented from getting it or ridding yourself of it. So this is it's maddening. And the one of the videos they took down was the ivermectin conversation with Senator Johnson, who is chairman of I don't know what committee it was and was doing this. But he is interviewing the doctor who prescribed ivermectin and talked about all the patients that got better with it. And he was tired of the stigma around it. They would not post that on YouTube. So it's nuts uh, what's going on. I got in, uh, a lot of emails, one of which is, Brian, um, don't hear this is from Mark. who I, I said this on television, not on on radio. Stop praising Delta. Uh, Delta does not have you must-jab policy. They will not hire you, though, unless you're vaccinated. But if you are employed there, they will charge you $200 a month in your health plan per person if you don't get the jab because that's how much the testing costs. So I, in there I'll reason with that. That's private industry. Why should we pick money out of our pocket? I'll, I'll go back and forth with that. But at least you can keep your job. So I'm not that, that upset by that. Uh, we're, we got everything from what's going on with those container ships. This is what I think is going to be the Christmas present of the year. Um, we're going to have to, because no one's going to get gifts, I think we're going to send pictures to each other of the container ship our gift is on. So instead of just saying an IOU or here's a credit card, send a picture of the barge or the truck that is or the tractor trailer and the state it was in when Christmas hit. Uh, and at least we will know what the gift that the gift is on its way. And let's be honest, it's got to be somewhere in California where over 70 ships are still at sea. And Joe Biden's negotiating with making one of the ports 24 seven. That's the way he solves the problem in Biden's America. Hey, go to BrianKillmead.com. Find out about the President and Freedom Fighter Tour. The book can be pre
9: ordered now. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name
14: is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single handedly save the world.
9: You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to FoxNewsPodcasts.com. From the
1: Fox News Radio Studios in New York City, giving you opinions and facts with a positive approach. It's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's the Brian Kilmeade Show. Coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. we got a big hour coming your way. We'll do a simulcast on FBN with Stuart Barney. Uh, we'll share each other's audiences. Dr. Ben Carson will be with us. who's was kind enough to endorse my upcoming book, uh, The President of Freedom Fighter. Uh, Frederick Douglass, Abraham Lincoln in the battle to save America's soul. And Ben Dominic is standing by just getting out of the shower, so he wants me to buy some time. He's a Fox News contributor and pub- publisher of The Federalist and the Ben Dominic podcast. So let's get to the big three.
1: Now with the stories you need to know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. What we didn't know was where they were going. We did see two planes fly in with uh, about 100 migrants, and then they were put onto buses and then they were dispersed around various places in New York. Why is this such a secret operation? Why is no one talking about it?
2: It's unbelievable. Yet January 6th is all CNN can uh, focus on. Miranda Devine of the New York Post. The border outrage. As suspected and rumored, illegals are being flown in planes around the country, bust around to suburbs and working class areas around this nation. And now we have video and f- actually photographs of this happening. The cast, the secrecy, and the signal to the rest of the world, come one, come all, more Biden bungles coming your way.
4: Number two. President Biden has to get more involved. The power of the presidency is your leader of the party, and you're also a convening entity. Get Manchin Sanders in a room. I think the burden's on the White House. They've got to take control of this.
2: Right, because Chuck Todd is desperate to pass the Democrats' agenda. Do you believe this? It's almost like he's a columnist. Is that Tim Russert? Uh, It's the economy. If you pass Biden's uh, Build Back Better plan, is just stupid. The state of the spending palooza as Bernie and Manchin meet, and Biden prepares to harangue lawmakers all week.
5: Number one. We want to have
3: our valued employees,
5: but we need for public health for them to be vaccinated. What we've seen from the fraternal order of police, and particularly the leadership, is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half-truths, and frankly, flat-out lies, in order to induce an insurrection.
2: That is Mayor Jenny Durham of Seattle. Uh, you are out, and that is Lori Lightfoot, too, of uh, of Chicago. From football coaches to teachers to cops, large percentage of Americans are choosing to quit rather than get vaxxed under this administration's draconian decrees. The divider-in-chief is at it again. With me right now, Ben Dominich. Ben, welcome.
11: Hey, good to be with you, Brian, as always. And uh, <laughs> I just got to say... Uh, don't you get the feeling that in the last week or two that something has changed in the tenor of this coverage of people defying these mandates in the sense that when it started out, it seemed to be, you know, uh, this this person in, in mid-level job here, you know, this person you've never heard of, you know, doing a, a state government job or the like. Yeah. And now it seems to be expanding to the point where you have recognizable uh, not just, you know, uh, personalities, but but figures, you know, people who are in major positions who really are risking their career because of, you know, uh, either a, a position where they've been advised by their own doctor, as uh, ESPN's Allison Williams was, uh, that they shouldn't be vaccinated for, for reasons having to do with wanting to get pregnant, that they've been advised, you know, by others around them uh, for, you know, whatever reason they have that they don't want to go down this path. And the crackdown the 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 idea that this is some kind of major uh, health risk uh, in in terms of the the number of people who are making these decisions is is just amazing to me to witness in real time uh, because it's it's just so it runs afoul of everything that the old left. I think would have stood for in this moment in any other context. Uh, and it's amazing to see it happen right before.
2: Absolutely. And and you know, the thing is, the thing about the Federalists and Fox, we do care about those so-called everyday people. That's the key to our success. We could not care. We care uh, very little in comparison to the Hollywood stars or the sports celebrities mm-hmm. or the high profile politicians. But I look over in Oklahoma where 38 percent of the teachers have decided on retiring. Uh, in Illinois, just three thousand six hundred education jobs unfilled. There's a vaccination mandate there. Now we have the teachers uh, shortages, uh, the overall nationwide in North Carolina, especially. And then yesterday we had all these students and their families basically walk out in California where the governor issued a mandate for all uh, vac- uh, everyone's got to be vaccinated. So you had to walk out from San Francisco to San Diego to the Inland Empire taking place. But if you talk about intelligence and pro- high-profile people, listen to Jonathan Isaac last night with the Orlando Magic on why he's not getting vaccinated. Here's Cut Six.
6: You know, a lot, a lot went into my decision for not, you know, deciding to get the vaccine. For starters, I've had COVID in the past. You know, I've come to understand that our reactions in terms of immunity by natural infection is uh, robust and long-lasting. And so I have that um, with my current uh, physical fitness level and my age group. I don't feel that I'm in a category of, you know, feel or necessary need right now.
2: So, Ben, does he sound like a wild-eyed Trump supporter? of course
11: not and that's that's the whole thing that is so fraudulent about the way that the Biden administration has approached this they they would really like this to be A group of Americans that are solidly in one political camp, so that they could get away with demonizing them. But Americans actually are able to, you know, they're able to look and see what's really going on around them, and they see the fact that, you know, Dr. Fauci, when he says uh, the that the uh, you know the college football events, those gatherings are going to turn into super spreader events, and and then they can see that that doesn't happen. Never. They could see. They could see the truth with their own eyes, and it's impossible to to get away with this kind of demonization and Brian you know look, you said something really important there, which is that we we, we are talking about. Uh, the the level of of course we're going to pay attention to the to the NBA stars and the like because they be, they become symbols for for people who are just normal people in their day to day lives. But I think about the the normal everyday you know college student for instance who is being affected by these draconian new rules that are being put into place again for a population that has far less to fear from this than they do so many other things. Uh, and, and so it, to me, it's a, an indication that, in fact, the, the level of resistance to these mandates is it is diverse. It is spread across the country. There's a bunch of different motivations for it. And and if you sit down and actually talk to people who who ha- have made this determination, you will find that they are not wild eyed and crazy. They actually have, for the most part, thought through this. They've been serious about this. And we should respect them as Americans in that and not keep decrying and demonizing them the way that this administration, which was supposed to be this vaunted force for unity and bringing the country back together, has done.
2: Yeah, listen to Nick Rolovich. He's a Washington State football coach. He fi- he got fired, along with four other coaches. He's gone. They recruited him from the University of Hawaii. He's an up-and-coming star, reportedly. He- him and his four other coaches uh, did not want to get vaccinated. Uh, they all put in for uh, religious exemptions. They didn't want to wait, so they are fired. The governor decreed that. He says, I'm gratified that 90% of wa- wa- Washington State University employees and 97% of our students are vaccinated. Okay, what about the 10%? Fired. What about the three percent? I guess they're getting reimbursements. I sure they're not allowed to be students anymore. So what is do they Do they look at this, Ben? Because you would know better than me and say, okay, uh, 70 percent of the public is vaccinated. This is a winning issue for me. 67 percent, I think, or 62 percent of when asked, the 62 percent of the public reportedly are for mandates when it comes to vaccinations. So I'm going to do this popular thing. But when you see teachers and firefighters, cops, uh, hospice workers, uh, NBA stars, uh, coaches, all quit rather than get the vaccination, do you sit there in the Oval Office and go, wait, is this really the image I want?
11: Well, you know, I think that this White House has already shown itself that it lives in such a bubble uh, that it is willing to just keep its head down and pretend like things are going Okay, well past the point where everything is on fire all around them Uh, and their ability to just maintain this. This is fine attitude uh, is is just astounding uh, to me. But of course, the most of the media that is in the room with Jen Psaki every day isn't even going to ask her that question. And there's another point here, Brian, keep in mind. These mandates that we're talking about, and they're different mandates on state levels, et cetera. You know, the the mandate that uh, Joe Biden said he wanted to put out there from OSHA, for instance, is still at this point actually just a press release. It has not actually been written. And the reason they haven't written that mandate is because the instant that they write it, it will be challenged in court, and they know that they will likely lose. OSHA has no capability to actually enforce it, even even with uh, that kind of, of uh, written Mandate, They don't have the staff for it. And so they'll be counting on people to narc on their fellow employees for not abiding by this. I had Andrew Bogut, the former NBA star uh, on uh, just two weeks ago when I was hosting uh, primetime. And he said flat out, he does not believe for one second that the NBA has a level of vaccination that they have claimed. He believes that the players are lying and that the NBA is lying to the public in order to send a message. He says it is much lower than their claims have been. Uh, and I believe him. I think that, that we are in a scenario now where it is it is incentivizing people. To either lie uh, or to, uh, you know, try to come up with some excuse or to, uh, you know, engage kind of in a a conspiracy against these types of mandates in order to resist them. And that's not something any of us should like because it's it's opposed to having law and order. And it is, again, uh, something that degrades the trust that we can have in our government and in the whole process that's going on
2: here. Absolutely. So that's interesting because, you know, uh, everything LeBron does, he makes a big deal of. If you don't agree with me, you're a terrible person. <laughs> and I'm the number one uh, athlete in the world, and he came out and said, "Yeah, I got vaccinated, but you do what you want. Got to run." I thought to myself, "Really, I'm Mr. LeBron James, Mr. Uh, advocate? I want Black Lives Matters on the on the court, and I'll play when I want to play, and I'll get the calls I need to make. And really, I'm going to uh, force trades that I want to have." When, now all of a sudden he's, he's magnanimous.
11: Issue, whenever there's actually a hard issue, or whenever involves China. It's amazing how quickly LeBron just uh, turns into a shrinking violet. Uh, he, he never wants to actually deal uh, with the hard issues, which is why people don't respect him on this stuff. Brian. All right, so I want to uh, bring
2: but, you, I want to bring you to another area, if I sure. could, and that is what's going on with the spending palooza and the 3.5 reconciliation package and the 1.2 so-called mm. bipartisan package. So over the weekend, the stupidest thing I've ever heard of was Joe was. Joe Manchin, someone really attempted to intimidate him in West Virginia by having the socialist write an editorial ridiculing him on not going along with the socialist spending in West Virginia, where he, Manchin <laughs> came ripping back. Yesterday, they were seen together after a negotiation cut 14.
10: We're
5: talking. All right, we're You're talking. You're going to have a resolution by the end
2: of the week, it sounds we're like. We're talking. We're talking. So. The rubber hits the road in the total. The rubber hits the road in the details. He actually, uh, Joe Manchin, if I'm to believe the reports, wants to know what's in it. Uh, one thing he says is that $150 billion clean, uh, clean electricity performance program, Joe Biden, you want? I don't want to do that. It'll penalize coal and gas-fired power plants. That's not good for my people. Hey, you know that paid leave, a cornerstone of this plan? It's one of the many proposals at risk because Joe Manchin evidently doesn't think it's a good idea for the federal government to do it. He wants it left out of the social safety net spending that Democrats want in. He's also upset about other elements of it. What are you hearing, Ben?
11: Well, what I'm what I'm hearing is that, uh, is that this is increasingly looking like a measure that is dead in the water and really? foundering. They're they're trying they're trying to find some way. Uh, to To you know quote unquote meet in the middle, but the truth is that the mansion 's not going to budge on this stuff um, he, you know to the degree that he budges it 's only going to be in exchange for things that that the progressives find you know absolutely abhorrent and I think that everyone is kind of feeling sick to their stomach on the democrat side because they 've invested so much effort in doing this, and while individual policies from within this measure may poll as being popular the the measure itself has not actually boosted their popularity, and they're all worried about it, that they're going to put so much effort into passing something that they won't be able to run on, that won't actually make a difference for them in the midterms, uh, and that won't ultimately be the kind of sustained program that they would like to see, in the sense that you're not doing the equivalent of passing Obamacare with something like this. You know, a Republican majority that comes back and absolutely attack a lot of these things and take it apart. And I don't think that this is a situation where. I know a lot of Democrats, you know, behind the scenes will tell you that they feel uncomfortable, like they're being made to walk the plank for this thing that they're not really sure is going to ultimately be worth it. Um, and that's, I think, something that is, is never a good proposition with a White House that seems to be, multi, you know, in, in multiple ways, just retreating to talk to the people who already agree with them. You realize, you know, they're not actually doing right. the kind of leadership that Chuck Todd is pleading for, and that's why you hear that desperation.
2: You know what's so interesting? If Joe Manchin was president with that philosophy that he has, the Republicans would have a hard time running against him. If he came of off reasonable and I don't really like this left wing and there's too much social spending, I'm worried about uh, the capitalist society that we are born into, and I don't want to destroy our energy industry, Republicans, uh, Mitch McConnell would be in a lot of trouble. I mean, they might even, well, have, and- they might even be able to hold the House.
11: And, you know, that's the but see, that's the way that that uh, the corrupt media members framed the Biden agenda. They framed it as basically being that type of thing, you know, Scranton Joe type of stuff, as opposed to you know a situation where this this administration seems to care a lot more about pleasing the Greta Thunbergs of the world and her supporters when it comes to to uh, massive changes in policy than they do Mm -hmm. pleasing the average uh, you know West Virginia voter who is so critical to uh, Joe Manchin's success and has been historically a key element of of the Democratic coalition, but they just don't want them anymore. They're not interested in them. They want the the high and the low. They want uh, poor people and, and wealthy people, uh, and they, they want to squeeze the middle class as much as they can in between.
2: All right, and well, I'll meet you at the Global Climate Summit in Glasgow. Okay, Ben? Uh, that's where the president's going <laughs> next week, and then you'll find out what a bad country we are and how much money we have to give to other countries uh, well, so they just, don't, you, so they don't take, have gas. You're can. a
11: private jet, and I'll take my private jet, and maybe we can do some loop-de-loops over
2: right, it. That'll be great. Like that. We won't deny we took it, though. Uh, ben, I <laughs> uh, will look forward to we'll check out your podcast, the Ben uh, Dominich uh, podcast, and we'll see you all over the channel. Ben Dominich, thanks so much.
11: Great to be with you as always.
2: Brian. Uh, and publisher of The Federalist. When we come back, it's your turn again, one 408 Then I open up to Dr. Ben Carson, the 17th secretary of HUD.
1: Challenging conventional thought and wisdom. You're with Brian Kilmeade.
9: Living the Bream is a podcast hosted by Fox News Channel's Shannon Bream, sharing inspirational stories, personal anecdotes, and an insider's perspective on actions and rulings from the high court. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. A radio show like no other. It's Brian
1: Kilmeade.
2: Hey, welcome back, everyone. In about 10 minutes, we have to go to uh, Ben Carson. I also encourage you to go to briankilmeade.com, the President Freedom Fighter Tour I have coming out. I have live shows. The first one will be November 7th in West Virginia, Charleston, West Virginia. Ponte Vedra is just a handful of tickets left. The Clearwater, is the same thing. Uh, that'll be one after another, December 3rd and December 4th. And November 21st in Orlando, there's still some tickets left. So I hope to see everybody out there. But also, there's various stops along the way. Uh, they want you to get tickets in Barnes & Noble in these places. Uh, on Long Island, I'll be in Manhasset on Plandome Road, my only New York stop outside Staten Island the next day. So November 3rd, I'll be at... Uh, uh, Publican's Restaurant on Plandome Road. So grab a beer and grab a book. And number two, just we'll register for tickets, please. And then just uh, on Staten Island. So uh, I'll go. I hope to see everybody out there, Marsha, You're listening in Arizona. Hey, Marsha. Good morning. What's on your mind?
5: I think everybody should know about ivermectin. The world should know about ivermectin. Has it worked for you? Save my I took it for five days after day three. I was up and doing everything I had ever done before. The aches, the pains, the headache, the fever, it was all gone.
2: Prescribed? Was it prescribed?
5: Prescribed. Our family physician put us on ivermectin and uh, my husband, was quite ill and it didn't work for him as well as it did for me but when he got out of the hospital a week later i put him back on it and in five days he was up and running around
2: it's unbelievable the resentment towards this yet it's a award-winning drug back in 2015 uh it got that nobel prize uh thanks so much i love the real word uh i'm taking your word but i'll take your real world uh word description of what happened to you i'm glad you're okay and so was your husband
9: from the Fox News Podcasts network. Download and listen to the one with Craig Gutfeld, the co-host of The Five, like you've never heard him before. You know him, you love him, you want to be like him. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. The more you listen, the more you'll know.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade. By the way, I'm glad you're you're, you're better. I'm Thank glad you. it only lasted a day. You're probably really?
10: the only one at CNN that's glad. No, <laughs>
1: no, 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 no. no. We're
10: not. The rest of them are all lying about me taking horse medication. <laughs> and we should talk about that. That bothered you. It should bother you, too. I, They're well, lying I, at your network about people taking human drugs versus drugs it, veterinary. It's Calling med- it a horse dewormer is not a flattering thing. I get it's that. It's a lie. It's a lie on a news network. It, it,
2: and- Joe Rogan sparring with Sanjay Gupta over three hours. But that is the contentious part because Joe Rogan unvaccinated got the coronavirus. He ended up taking one of the things he took was ivermectin prescribed by a doctor, and everyone was ridiculing this podcasting behemoth. Uh, he's a huge star. He's also a comedian and a UFC commentator. And everyone's taking aim at him on other networks, not at Fox. We were kind of reporting the story that he's taking ivermectin, he made it clear, and he did other therapeutics. But no one talks about therapeutics. I don't know why. Or natural immunity. Dr. Ben Carson, not only is he, uh a brain surgeon, one of the best ever. Uh, he was the 17th Secretary of Department of Housing and Human Deve- and Urban Development and founder of the American Cornerstone Institute. So he's, got a, he's a multifaceted, very talented guy. Uh, Dr. Carson, welcome back.
8: Thank you, Brian. It's always great to be with you.
2: What do you think about the debate we just heard? And he was right. I don't know if you saw it on the coverage of the other networks, but they were mocking Joe Rogan for taking ivermectin. Was, is that just in your
8: mind? Well, you know, the, the problem is the system that we have. Uh, in order to get an EUA, emergency use authorization, to pursue the vaccine, you cannot have other effective uh, therapeutics. And and that's why hydroxychloroquine, really? ivermectin, all these things were poo-pooed, because you can't have an effective alternative.
2: Even um, though it's already been created?
8: We- yeah. And
2: under yeah. emergency use, and now it's just waiting for the formality you right. still can't so we'll, have a therapeutic we'll,
8: we'll, no no we need we need to reform the system in terms of what is allowed to happen under an emergency use authorization we We don't need to be excluding things we need to be including things we need to have multiple pathways uh, to solve the kind of problem that we have with uh with this disease process also uh you, you talked about natural immunity. I mean, the studies, the Israeli study, the Cleveland Clinic study, and other studies have shown that it is very effective. <clears throat> In the beginning, they said, well, the natural immunity would only last for three months. Why did they say that? Because they'd only been following it for three months. And then it was eight months because they've been following it for eight months. And then it's 17 months because they've been following And in five years, it'll be five years. I mean, this is so foolish what we're doing. We need to actually pay attention to the science and to the data and stop trying to manipulate it to fit into some kind of ideological model.
2: Uh, it must be frustrating for you. I, this is my uh, – uh, the American people, I guess the world's first exposure into detail about the process of approvals and creation – and usage and the banning and then you factor in the social media that you have ivermectin, a Dr. Corey come out, talk about ivermectin in a congressional hearing and it's taken off YouTube. And then you had things for example, how was this virus created? I believe it was in a lab in in China. If you said that early on, Dr. Carson, your account was suspended. Now it's almost conventional wisdom. So I feel like there's these these, these invisible forces out there.
8: Well, it's it's criminal what the media and big tech is doing, and there should be some urgency in Congress to do something to curtail their power because they have beyond belief power to manipulate people and manipulate the situation and to deny people information so that they're making decisions based on uh, inadequate uh, information. This is this is criminal. And the only reason that the press is the, the entity that is protected by the Constitution, no other business entity is, is because they're supposed to be objective disseminators of truth to the people so that the people would be able to determine what their will is. How can you determine what your will is when you don't get the information? Uh, that's great. a serious problem.
2: Have you had the virus? Yes, I have, and how did you do uh
8: i was I was very ill uh but i I was able to get one of the therapeutics uh the monoclonal antibodies and uh that I do believe saved my life and, and I now have antibodies I've been tested I have antibodies
2: and so and for example, do you believe that these antibody tests should be as prevalent as regular tests like why don't we have these yes, antibody tests should-
8: well, there are other countries that that have accepted it. Why are we why are we so far behind the apol? The only thing I, it's not because we're stupid. Obviously, there's some kind of goal or motive behind what we're doing because we're not doing things that actually make sense.
2: You know, Dr. Carson, I take pride right in the fact that I am not going to give medical advice to anybody ever. I just don't feel comfortable. I got the virus. Uh, excuse me, I don't got the virus. I got the vaccine. I never had the virus even though I've been going to the city forever, been exposed more than anybody else, when, even before the vaccine was out there. I feel very lucky. So I got the, that was my decision. I don't think I should be making those decisions. If I had to do that, I would call someone like you and say, what do you think? Or my primary care physician say, what do you think? Why are of people, why, why are we doing these, manda- why are politicians mandating that we should get this shot and firing us when we don't if we choose that way?
8: Well, well, it's making, it's, it's laying the foundation, Brian, for totalitarianism. Now, this is really not about vaccines, to be honest with you. This is about can we begin to get the American people accustomed to government mandates, to telling them what they can do. You know, the reason that people came to this country in the first place So that they could live the lives that they wanted to live, as long as they weren't interfering with someone else, not having the heavy foot of government on their neck 24-7, telling them what they could do and what they couldn't do. Um, Of course, your medical decisions should be up to you and your physician, who will have information. It, It should never be a government decision.
2: But that's exactly what is happening now. As we see this uh, this taking shape around the country, we see teachers being fired. We're seeing cops being fired. So the Washington State football coach and four of his coaches be fired. We're, um, we're seeing 10% of almost every major hospital in New York City lose staffers at a time in which I think they can least afford to lose them. And a lot of, of them are medical professionals. There's a great number, Dr. Carson, of PhDs. They did a study. A PhDs who were deciding that they don't want to get it. This ESPN reporter said, I'm trying to get pregnant. My doctor told me, I don't think it's a good idea. Hold off. ESPN says, do it or you're fired. So she
1: quit. So what?
2: what, yeah, well, the, what is going people, on
8: here? A lot of people. A lot of people in the medical profession and uh, people with a lot of education actually understand what natural immunity is. So they understand that this is a bunch of crap. And that, that's why they're not doing it. Um, I just hope that they remain courageous because the only thing that's going to save America at this point from a Marxist regime is people being courageous. It's the only thing that's going to help. You can't be the land of the free if you're not also the home of the brave.
2: Uh, I, I hear you on that. And I just think it is a bigger story than that. And I think that one thing that was brought up earlier, I think this story is getting out of control a little bit for the Biden administration. They see the numbers, six out of every 10 Americans think vaccine mandates are good. But when you see real life people, that people that you might admire, like the forward on the Orlando Magic or a point guard on the Brooklyn Nets or Travis Tritt, tell everyone if you have to get, uh, I will not perform at any place that mandates the vaccine. People that you admire that aren't political and they're making a stand. I think the Biden administration could lose control of this message.
8: I think they are losing control of it. The American people are not stupid. You know, Marxism and all these things, they depend on two things. They depend on people not being informed, not thinking things through for themselves, and they count on people being cowards. Big story. Man, I, I don't think that's America.
2: All right. And you're, I'm talking to Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Carson, I thought about you. You were kind enough to endorse my book, The President and Freedom Fighter, and I know how much history means to you. What are your thoughts about a seven-foot statue being taken out of City Hall here in New York City? Uh, because it's Thomas Jefferson, and it's been there for over 100 years. But some Hispanic yeah. and African-Americans said he had slaves. I'm insulted. I want him out. And he's going. They're moving the statue out.
8: Well, if if we're going to denigrate everybody who had slaves, it's going to take out a large portion of our country. You know, that was the way that things were done back then. It doesn't make it right, but remember, slavery has been a part of of, of human civilization since we have written records. And there are more slaves in America today than there were in 1863 when the Emancipation Proclamation was put forth. There are more slaves worldwide when you look at sex trafficking that's going on. We need to be concerned about what's happening now. We don't need to be going back 100 years, 200 and 300 years. Let's deal with it right now. Let's get this fixed. And then when you get that fixed, then let's talk about that. Are you
2: a 1619 guy or a 1776 guy?
8: 1776. Of course, I was on the 1776 commission, which uh, the current administration abolished very quickly. But the fact of the matter is... You know, the only thing that's unique about America is that we had so many people who were anti-slavery that we were willing to fight a civil war and lose a substantial portion of our population.
2: And we did, 600,000 plus. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, always great talking to you. Thanks so much.
9: With Fox News Podcasts Plus, you can enjoy all your favorite Fox News podcasts without commercials. Subscribe now at foxnewspodcasts.com.
1: Now the Brian Kilmeade Show joins Fox Business's Varney and Company with Stuart Varney live on your radio and on Fox Business. Here's Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everybody. I'm going to be on with Stuart Varney shortly. You heard the guy with the very deep voice. We'll be talking about something that I know you guys are passionate about. We've been discussing all show long, actually, on Monday show too, and that is what's going on with the vaccine mandates and some of the ramifications. I did not discuss this with you, but among the people that were so dumb, and I'm being sarcastic, to not want the vaccine, 100 members of Yale. Let's listen in.
15: It's time for Brian Kilmeade, and there is the man himself appearing right now. All right, Brian, let me go through this. Yale New Haven Health fires 94 employees because they wouldn't get the vaccine. The NBA player, Jonathan Isaac, not getting vaccinated. He's out. Washington State football coach, Nick Rolovich, out, wouldn't get the vaccine. Brian, it seems like there is no off-ramp for these vaccine mandates, and that is a real problem. What do you say?
2: It's a problem for those individuals. Uh, I'll just add a couple of other things. So Yale University, they want to make everybody dumb, toothless. uh, Yale, uh, excuse me, Trump supporters. How do you explain the number of PhDs that don't want to get the shot? How do you explain the 100 uh, Yale uh, employees that don't want to get the shot? I heard reports are that Yale is a place of higher education. Uh, number two, not only was the head coach of Washington State uh, fired, so were his coaches. This guy was recruited from the University of Hawaii, very sought after, very respected. What about those kids that went there to play for that coach over in Washington State? Does the governor feel better about himself? Does President Biden? I think they're in over their heads. What I think, Stewart, is they looked at the study that showed that I think over 60 percent of the American public when asked said they're for vax mandates, okay? Maybe it's not their neighbor who's a teacher that decided they rather lose their job or cop or firefighter or hospice worker lose their job to get the shot, right? Number two is I think they're realizing there's real people Good people who don't want to get the shot, who don't want to be told by a president or a politician or a governor what they should do uh, with their inoculations, as well as the natural immunity. 22% of the public said the main reason they didn't get the shot, they already had the virus, they got the uh, antibody test, they grade high. The president's in over his head on this one. Don't tell me your compassion for the people. Don't tell me you've been through personal strife. Yet you have no problem sawing off 10 to 15 percent of every major organization, state worker or federal worker, while congressional staff members are exempt from getting the shot. White House executive, they got to get it. Congressional staffers don't. How is that fair? While having illegals, 1.6 million come in here unvaccinated, 20 percent, they say, on average, are sick with some type of illness. Tell me why this should stand in America.
15: Well, let me just offer another side to the argument. Maybe the vaccine mandate works in the sense that it does push a large number of people to get the vaccine. For example, in the L.A. school district, 99 percent of L.A. school teachers have become vaccinated. You could say that the mandate works in pushing people towards this safety element. What do you say to that argument?
2: Congratulations on those 99 percent who said I'm going to keep the job. But that one percent, if you look at the size of that school district, is hundreds, if not thousands of people. So those people are now out of an occupation as well of a job. Is that your job, to kick people out of their chosen occupation? Is that your job? And by the way, there's a lot of people who are getting the shot who have adverse effects. For example, 12- to 18-year-olds, and the 18- to 22-year-olds, they're most likely to get this, this fluid on the heart, this enlarged heart, that a lot of them are suffering from. There is not all upside to getting the vaccine. Mostly upside, I chose to do it. But I do not want the American... I do not want a politician tell me what to do with with my medical advice. Where okay. will it stop? I mean, okay. my goodness, he's already got herd immunity. Everything's going down. Cases, hospitalizations, and deaths.
15: What more does he want? Well, well listen to this, because I think in some cases, this is this is worse. Police officers in Chicago are not allowed to retire over the vaccine requirement. They can't say, oh, I'm retiring now. I don't want the vaccine. If they do say that... DO YOU REALIZE THEY LOSE THEIR BENEFITS? THEY LOSE THEIR PENSION, WHICH IS A HANDSOME PENSION, BUT THEY LOSE IT IF THEY TRY TO RETIRE WITHOUT GETTING THE VACCINE. THAT IS DEAD WRONG.
2: TRUE. AND THE UNION SAID, I HAVE AN IDEA, NO ONE ON THE CHICAGO POLICE FORCE REGISTER YOUR VACCINE STATUS. SO mm-hmm. THE MAYOR DOESN'T KNOW WHAT TO DO BECAUSE THEY ALREADY DON'T HAVE ENOUGH COPS. THEY'RE NOT BACKED UP. THEY CAN'T CHASE DOWN SUSPECTS. NO THEY EVER ARE BACKED UP BY THIS uh, TERRIBLE MAYOR COUNTING THE DAYS till uh, SHE'S GONE. Uh, for america not just chicago and then you have this vaccine mandate they pretty much know the risks well we were still trying to figure out what this virus was and we're coming to grips that china started it it came from china and we're allowed to say it meanwhile they're out on the streets trying to enforce pandemic rules now we're so worried about their welfare we'll fire them rather than do what they claim is the right yeah, thing
15: it's not right it's not right the it's world is right. upside down yeah, well turned upside down. Thanks, Brian. We'll see you again soon. Thanks Forget a lot. Him, Stuart.
2: Uh, 1-866-408-7669. So uh, it's pretty much outrageous uh, what, what is going on. And if you heard Ben Carson a short time ago, he believes it's part of a bigger story. This is a brain surgeon. This is a brain surgeon who just spent four years trying to get better housing for the people that need it most. And he's saying this is part of if we can get them to take this shot, we can get them to do anything. You saw some of those scary scenes out of Australia. You saw some of those scary scenes out of France. Uh, We're dealing with we have a Bill of Rights and a a thorough Constitution and most importantly, a Second Amendment. Most people don't. Here's what Douglas Murray says about this whole uh, I'll handle it myself but i'll tell you what to do attitude especially when it comes to masks and vaxes cut two. they've
15: BEING CAUGHT IN THIS ACT OF THEATER, WHICH THEY HAVE DECIDED TO PARTICIPATE IN AND DEMAND THAT THE REST OF US ALL PARTICIPATE IN. Uh, CLEARLY, IF JOE BIDEN uh, FEELS SAFE ENOUGH TO WALK THROUGH A DC RESTAURANT MASKLESS, THEN IT CAN'T BE QUITE AS SCARY AS HE'S BEEN TELLING THE PUBLIC AND IT'S ALL JUST AS YOU SAY AND AS TOMMY SAID, IT'S AN ACT OF HYPOCRISY HAPPENING ON AN EXTRAORDINARY SCALE. But BUT LOOK AT THE RESPONSE TO THIS. Uh, you know, the mayor of Chicago and the president of the United States both fail at uh, their own uh, self-imposed piece of theater. They both fail at that. But this month, they don't even bother to give an explanation.
2: And what he's saying is that the mayor was at the WNBA final without a mask on, smiling for the camera and posted on social media, not realizing there's an indoor mask mandate or realizing it and saying, look at how silly you are to listen to me. And the president seen over the weekend walking into a restaurant without a mask. Meanwhile, they got these cops coming in uh, enforcing a vaccine mandate on restaurant goers.
1: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on FoxNewsPodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Live from the Fox News radio studios in New York City, fresh off the set of Fox and Friends, it's America's receptive voice, Brian Kilmeade.
2: Hi, everyone. It's Brian Kilmeade. Welcome to the show. We're coming to you from New York, heard around the country, heard around the world. This hour, Sandra Smith will join us before she joins the television network at 1 p.m. And General Keith Kellogg in studio. Uh, His book is now out, War by Other Means, a general in the Trump White House. Uh, he was former National Security Advisor President Trump almost his all four years, and the Vice President. So before we get to uh, the General, let's get to the Big
1: Three. Now with the stories you need to, to know, know, it's Brian's Big Three.
3: Number three. What we didn't know was where they were going. We did see two planes fly in with uh, about 100 migrants, and then they were put onto buses, and then they were dispersed around various places in New York. Why is this... Such a secret operation, why is no one talking about it?
2: Uh, That is Miranda Devine. Her, uh, along with her, uh, New York Post colleagues have broken a big story. Border outrage is suspected and rumored for years. Illegals are being flown in planes around the country, to suburbs around the nation, and we have the proof, the cost, the secrecy, and the signal to the rest of the world, come one, come all, you can stay.
4: Number two. President Biden has to get more involved. The power of the presidency is your leader of the party, and you're also a convening entity. Get Manchin Sanders in a room. I think the burden's on the White House. They've got to take control of this.
2: Really, Chuck Todd advocating for a big spending program. That's not what Tim Russell would do, is it? It's the economy. And if you pass Biden's uh, Build Back Better plan, it was just stupid. The state of the spendings palooza as Bernie and Manchin meet, and Biden prepares to harangue lawmakers to do what he wants I am not optimistic for Joe Biden.
5: Number one. We want to have our valued employees, but we need for public health for them to be vaccinated. What we've seen from the fraternal order of police and particularly the leadership is a lot of misinformation, a lot of half-truths and frankly flat-out lies in order to induce an insurrection.
2: Not true. Jenny Durkin, a terrible mayor in Seattle and even a worse mayor in Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. You are out from football coaches to teachers to cops to military men and women. Large percentages of Americans are choosing to quit rather than get vaccinated under this administration's draconian decrees. The divider in chief is at it again when he was pledged to be just the opposite. General uh, Keith Kellogg, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for having me. Good to see you in person. Congratulations Good. on the book.
16: Thank you so very much.
2: You open up in the book saying that Joe, Donald Trump was the first
16: one to tell you to write a book, right? He says, you've been here forever. You going to write a book? Yeah, he told me that. We were sitting in the Oval Office one day, just sitting there, and he looks at me and goes, why don't you write a book? And I go, I don't write books. He said, no, you need to write a book. And I was – Pat Cipollone was there. He's a White House counsel. And I thought to myself, well, maybe that's not a bad idea. So I walked home and was talking to my, my wife and my daughter, and my daughter said, Dad, you've been with him since the campaign, since 2015-16. And you ought to write a book and title it behind closed doors and the reason she said that is because I saw Donald Trump the way he really was when the lea lights weren't on and, and it was it was a fascinating man I mean the man is incredibly smart he's got great instincts he's very forthright he loves America he and he used to really push that he loved the American servicemen he loves the Americans writ large and he basically said we're going to do right for America going forward but he was also very very empathetic and I and I Tell people, go, no, that's not true. We listed, look at his tweets. I said, ignore the tweets. Tell me the policies we had wrong. Policy was really, really pretty good. And I remember one story during the middle of the COVID. We were just sitting there in the Oval, and he looks at me, and he goes, God, I just want Americans to get better. Just like that. I said, stop, Mr. President. Why don't you go out there and tell the American people? He said, no, nope, there's a leadership factor here. You can't show weakness. You you know, you must show, in the face of adversity, strength at going forward. So I'd tell people, look, if you could see him the way I saw him, right. the way he talked, You'd be – you would disregard all those, quote, tweets he had out there. If the tweets really bother you, then you've got a major problem. Right. I thought the president's
2: worst moment was really after the election until uh, the inauguration. I mm-hmm. thought he, he just uh, – I've never seen him so angry. I saw him one time at West mm-hmm. Point. Uh, the, I think I was the only one to interview him in between the election and
16: his exit. And I never saw him so angry. Right, yeah. And you must have – do. You feel the same way? I don't. Want... Yeah, I did, and, and and part of it because I, I'm going to be very honest with you, Brian. You know, I, I went to bed the it was the morning of the election. I thought we had it won, and all the numbers were coming our way. And it, we, when you wake up the next morning, you see some numbers that are just like statistically, it's an anomaly. When you look at one state that came in with uh, like 160,000 votes at six o'clock in the morning, and the graphs will show you that it's all public record, of which 94, 95 percent were for Biden. I said, statistically, that's an anomaly. That doesn't happen like that. Where are these coming from? And I've, uh, what I ask people after the election, just show me the forensic. That's all I'm asking. Just show me where these numbers came from. And nobody could show it to me. And I think he was aggravated that he saw things like this happening out there. And the mainstream media, for the most part, were going, oh, no, this is what happens. No, it doesn't. I think that you know the recent book that came out by on, on called Rigged is a great read. I mean, when you read that, I said, look, anybody who's out there, I don't care if you're for Trump or against Trump. Read that book, and you'll be stunned when you read it. It'll be really quite surprising.
2: Because Republicans didn't have a bad election.
16: No. I mean, they were supposed to get
2: trounced in the Senate. Mm -hmm. If they didn't blow those two elections, which the president played a role in, sadly, uh, blow those two election seats, they had won those seats. And number two is the House. Nobody saw the House coming. Right. So – and then the president got more votes than any other Republican mm-hmm. in the
16: history of the country. Yep. Well, I, I think And a lot 10 is, million more the second time than the first time. Well, and I think some of the polling was what I call suppression polling. And when you look at states that said, yeah, well, you know, we weren't going to win Iowa. We won Iowa big. You're not going to win Florida. We won Florida big. And it gave us all these states we had no chance of winning, and yet we won exceptionally well. New so Hampshire we poll- and Maine. Maine, uh, Susan Collins was supposed to win. It, and – and well, uh when you look at not only the Senate candidates out there, but states that they said we had probably had no chance of winning Florida, we won by two percentage points more than we won the last time. Right. So you look at those states and you go, OK, what's going on here? Right. Uh,
2: but, uh, General, let's talk a little uh, about your career. And I want to talk about the main thing now is what did or didn't happen in Afghanistan. Ambassador Kalazad said goodbye today or yesterday. Mm-hmm. He is no longer going to nego- be chief negotiator. If you look at his pure record, it looks terrible. He's the one who t- dealt with the Taliban. He's the one who decided not to deal with the sitting Afghan government. Uh, he's the one who got Berarder out of prison. But you want to uh, pr- put some perspective on those statements.
16: Yeah. look, you know, When people talk about the Doha statement of 29 February 2020, in, in which was signed by Khalilzad, not signed by the president, and, and uh, Mullah Berarder, look, we set up a plan to do this. We knew exactly what we were doing going in there, and there's a lot of hidden stories or stories that are not being reported out there. We knew we had to work with the Taliban first. You are correct. We got Taliban. We got Baradar out of prison from Pakistan when the president called up uh, Prime Minister Khan and got him out because we know he would talk with us because he was a guy that was actually Mullah Omar's designated successor uh, as as part of the Taliban. He owed us a little bit for getting him out of prison, and we could talk to him. But we knew we had to negotiate with him first, and then the president called him four days after. We signed the Doha agreement on the 29th of February, called him on the 3rd of March. And it was in very clear terms. He told Barader what he expected from Barader. And in fact, I sat there in the Oval listening to the president and thought, God, how is this being translated? Through a translator, right? Yeah, because yeah. I said, you know, this, some of the stuff he's saying is pretty strong. But he talked to him not only that occasion but another occasion because once we got the Taliban in, in, in our grasp, then we could work with Ghani. And Ghani wasn't for peace at any price at all. He didn't want to have it. And we said we need a government of national reconciliation. Baragher told us, look, once we get this thing settled out there, if we have a government national reconciliation, then we can talk about keeping the bases, keeping the military force structure there to some degree, keeping the, the, your uh, embassy open, which then gives you your CIA capabilities going forward. And we had all that working going forward, and we thought we had a pretty good plan on this that would work out. And, and Zal, Khalilzad, he had the the... The hard task of putting that all together. And we thought we had a pretty good plan. Was it a great plan? No. No plans are great. But Trump personally got himself involved. Here's what he did that Biden did not do Trump picked up the phone and called Barrarder personally. Biden never did that. Trump picked up the phone and called Ghani and gave him, in no uncertain terms, what he expected from him. Now, Biden had Ghani at the White House. What did he tell Ghani what did he, when that was going on? But he never connected the two. He never connected broader with the Taliban in Ghani.
13: Well,
2: Ghani says, I need more troops and I need air cover because they're sending in Pakistan, sending in 15,000 terrorists through their border. And the president's like, yeah, I don't think so. So and same with General Milley. So General Milley said this during the hearings. So we said, whose idea was it to get the troops out first and leave civilians? And there's still civilians there Mm -hmm. right now. So listen to Milley and McKenzie explain themselves. Cut to
4: General Milley. It's your testimony that you recommended 2,500 troops. Uh, approximately stay in Afghanistan.
6: Yes, my assessment was uh, back in the fall of 20, and it remained consistent throughout that uh, we should keep a steady state of 2,500, and it could bounce up to 3,500, maybe something like that, uh, in order to move toward a negotiated, gated solution.
4: Did to, you present? Uh, did you ever present that assessment personally to President Biden?
6: I don't discuss exactly what uh, my conversations are with the sitting president in the Oval Office, but I can tell you what my personal opinion was, and I'm always candid.
4: General McKenzie, do you share that assessment? Senator, I do share that assessment.
2: Same. So tell me, uh, these two generals are saying, not my plan. This is what I said. General Kellogg, take it from here.
16: Yeah, the the 2,500 number was an agreed-to number. Millie, when, when Trump was the president, Millie was there. McKinsey was uh, commander of CENTCOM. He was there. We all agreed to the 2,500 number. Gene Haspel from the CIA did. Uh, Pompeo State did. All the defense intelligence agencies did. The DOD did. We believe that 2,500 troops was the base number that you could maintain the presence without getting Kabul overrun. Plus, we had well over 3,000 paramilitaries supported by the CIA. They would go out in the middle of the night and kill bad guys. We also had 5,000 NATO troops that were not going to move. Plus, we had the air base of Bagram. It wasn't going anywhere. Plus, we had the air support. And Trump had told Barader quite clearly, we are not moving off that number till you come up with a negotiated settlement. So you can talk all you want about 1 May, 1 June, whatever it is. But until we have a negotiated settlement that you have signed with Ghani, we're not going anywhere. Do you believe the generals are being candid? Well, I think— Were they being honest? Well, they have— when they said 2,500, if they did fall off that number, they were being honest. Did they tell Biden that? I don't know. But that was the number we agreed to, that they agreed to. I'm hoping, and I don't know because I wasn't there, that they looked at Biden and they said the same thing that they agreed to with Trump. It was basically this is the number we will hold the line. If they didn't hold that line or didn't hold that number, well, somebody is not telling the truth. Now, here's the cutout. Is remember, Obama, uh, Biden made the comment he had unanimous agreement. That he to yeah. pull out, okay. So somebody's lying.
2: Yeah, he told you. Stephenopolis said so. And if you're the general, you got to say to yourself, Am I comfortable with the president of the United States not representing my thoughts to another to another media member? Because that's really about him. Uh, Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg is here. Uh, his book is now out: War by Other Means: A General in the Trump White House: A Perspective on the President. You have not heard because he lived it. Uh, and has that military background, and there were so many military operations. More with the general in just a second. Uh, This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
1: Expanding your knowledge
9: base, it's Brian Kilmeade. It's the Hammer Time Podcast. Fox News Channel's Bill Hammer takes you one-on-one with engaging personalities covering the critical issues of the day. Find Hammer Time now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. America's listening to Fox News. If you're interested in it,
1: Brian's talking about it. You're with Brian Kilmeade. It was really tough
13: for a few days there. I actually wasn't feeling very well. And I realized it was because of what was happening in Kabul. And I was just so low about uh, the way it had ended, if you will. And, And I guess the other feeling that I had was that it probably did not need to have turned out that way.
7: Well, President Biden said any withdrawal is messy.
13: Certainly the military considers the withdrawal the most dangerous uh, part of an operation. But they really had a lot of time to plan, beginning with the deal that President Trump cut uh, with the Taliban. Uh, so that was in February of 2020.
2: Second, former Secretary of Defense Gates for Obama. He's had work for seven presidents as well as President Bush. With me right now is... Is Lieutenant General Keith Kellogg. He has a book out. It's called It's Really Excellent War by Other Means, a general in the Trump White House. General, I wanted you to take that on, that you guys had you guys had time to pull people out, too.
16: Mm-hmm. Yeah, w- w- when we came in, that uh, Secretary Gates made the comment, it was actually 29 February 2020 when we first signed the agreement with the Taliban, actually, as Al I did. But we had a plan to come out with it, and, and the, there was plenty of time for them to come out with a reasonable plan. And our plan was to go to a certain point and then hold. And what we meant by hold, we told the, the Taliban this with Mullah Baradar that we would get to a certain level, 2,500 troops, 30, well over 3,000 paramilitary, 5,000 NATO allies, keep the air support, keep Bagram. But we were not going to move off that number until there was a, a, a government of reconciliation, which meant the, that you had Ghani and you had the Taliban agree with others that were out there, Abdullah, Abdullah, the Tajiks, the Uzbeks, whoever else out there, to have this government going forward to make sure that it would be a reasonable government. We put our hand on it and we were backed by force. And we told the Taliban that. So when you when they said, well, there was a one May date, that May was always just a forcing function. It was not a date certain. It was all based on the results on the ground. What Biden did is he turned it on its head. He said, no, the date is hard over, regardless of what you're going to do, which was a huge mistake. But the military had plenty of time, and we we gated it every single week. Mark Milley gave me five to seven charts, and I'd go into the president. And I'd say, here's Mr. President, here's where we're at. And I'd tell the vice president and the president, we're tracking what's going on. I could almost tell you by bumper number of vehicles where they're at, what's going on, and what the status was. And then I was in constant contact with Zal Khalilzad. And Zal would talk to me You know, when he was over in Doha. The envoy Iraq, representing right. us. And we would talk all the time um, and, and and make sure it was all measured. Pompeo was involved with it. Sometimes we'd send Millie over to talk to Ghani because the real impediment to progress, wasn't the Taliban, it was Ghani, because Ghani kept saying, Oh no, we can't do this, can't do this. Said, Yes, you can. You've got to have a government of reconciliation. You know, don't you know, people forget the Taliban are Afghans. They're are a plurality of Afghans. There's well over they're Pashtun. Over forty five percent of Afghanistan is Pashtun. They're part of the population. But they're not popular. No, but they still have a large number of people that are Pashtun. So there's a segment of the population that you have to bring them all together and have it work backed by force, backed by a military agreement going forward. And we made that very clear. I didn't make it clear. The president made it clear when he talked to him in the (laughs) Oval Office on the 3rd of March. And it was all done by translator. And and I, I used to sit there and go, How is this being translated? Because
2: it's so blunt and so direct. I will kill you if you break this agreement. And he's just killed Soleimani and al-Baghdadi. So the message was back with a track record. General, I want to get you to China. Uh, It looks as though they've been extremely belligerent on Taiwan. For the American people, what should they know about why it's necessary to defend Taiwan?
16: Yeah, look, Taiwan, when you look at the archipelago that's around there, it's the outer islands out there. And it's our way, and to use the old... What we did with the Soviet Union, almost like containment. you have to have that ring of islands out there, and Taiwan's kind of the crown jewel there. With all you look at Japan, you look at Taiwan and you could go down to the Philipp- out to the Philippines. you've got to have that level of support out there, because once they break through that, this goes back to the Japanese expansionist process they did in the late '30s and, and, and the early start of World War II, where you can't let them break out from containment out there. So it's a, you know when you think about it, think about it as, as, a, as an aircraft carrier that's unsinkable. As an island out there, right. and we need to say continually to support the Taiwanese uh, going forward.
2: Well, uh, yeah, and if they fall, then Philippines, they'll be yep. right on our doorstep. And lastly, General Milley said he called
16: China and yeah. said, don't worry, I call you before I bomb you. Where were you in this? Well, look, first of all, the intelligence you said was there. I didn't see it, and I t- I got the presidential daily brief every single day. It used to take me an hour and hour, and a half to go through it. Pompeo gives the same briefing. I got the brief- same briefing. O'Brien, the National Security Advisor, got the same briefing. None of us saw this information he was talking about. None of us. And he, by him picking up the phone, he really sent a message of the fact that there was instability. It was probable on his part. He should have been fired. Well, he should have fired or resigned. And I've said, by the way, this is public record. I've said this before. He really overstepped his bounds. He's got three roles in life as Chairman of the Joint Chiefs, Principal Military Advisor to the President, Principal military advisor, National Security Council, and principal military advisor to the Secretary of Defense. It is not principal military advisor to the White House Chief of Staff or anybody else.
2: He had no problem standing up saying, I shouldn't have walked over to the church. but He had a huge problem going behind the president's back, talking to Nancy Pelosi. Yep,
16: I think it was, I I think, I I told Mark this, and I said it very publicly out there. Mark, I believe, overstepped his bounds and what he should have done. Yeah,
2: uh, he's an
16: embarrassment
2: in my view. Lieutenant General Keith Keller, congratulations on your book. Go pick it up war by other means who knows she may be back in the White House if Trump runs again knock on wood all right thanks, uh, th- man. thanks general great to see you uh, back in a moment Sandra Smith
9: Fox Nation presents Podcasts, Women of the Bible Speak.
0: I'm Shannon Bream, host of Fox News at Night and author of the new book, Women of the Bible Speak, the wisdom of 16 women and their lessons for today. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, FoxNewsPodcast.com, or wherever you download your podcasts.
1: Video that makes you think. This is The Brian Kilmeade Show.
3: We also sent a crew to Jacksonville because these flights are coming from Texas from McAllen, El Paso, Houston, uh, and they're coming to White Plains via Jacksonville, Florida. So we had a crew down there on the weekend and they also spotted a flight uh, landing um, and about uh, 15 to 20 uh, illegal migrants uh, got off that plane and they were bussed to um, about a place about 130 miles west of Jacksonville.
2: That was uh, Miranda Devine, who was part of Breaking the Story of the New York Post. It talked about where thousands of illegal immigrants are going. They're landing in Jacksonville airports. We already know about Tennessee. Now we're finding out about Westchester County. And they're going about 20 minutes from my house over in Sayocet at one point. They tracked these trucks full of kids. Uh, By the way, if you're so worried about vaccinations, have you thought about the illegal aliens? 1.5 million coming across the border. With me right now is Sandra Smith getting set to host her show, America Reports, from 1 to 3 today. Sandra, your your, uh, perspective when you saw this story in the Post yesterday— Uh, that came out last night that is now out
9: today.
14: Well, your heart breaks for kids who need to find anywhere to go and don't have their parents with them and don't know what their futures hold, and that made the incredibly dangerous journey. But one has to ask yourself, as you feel that for them, how many more you are encouraging to take that dangerous journey. And that needs to be thought about. That's why the New York Post uh, this morning, the editorial board, said the president is playing a deadly game. But bottom line, you have to think about why they're doing it in this matter. All politics, Brian, they don't want voters to know, says the New York Post editorial board, just how many people are being waved right into the country because President Biden understands that open borders might be the policy of progressives, but it's not popular among the majority of Americans because guess what happens? These kids are not getting sent into, to highfalutin, rich communities, Brian. They're getting sent to places like Bridgeport, Connecticut. Who already These towns already have high crime rates. Their public school systems are struggling. Um, it, these are very problematic areas that they are sending. These towns are already dealing with their own problems, and now you're going to add an influx of migrants. Mm-hmm. While many of the photographs show, and the New York Post reporting is, that these are – Children, migrants walking off those planes, getting loaded onto buses and sent all over the tri-state area. They are also reporting that there are men in their early 20s in the mix. To your point, Brian, what is the vetting process? Who are these people? And if you're worried about COVID, are they being tested? Are they vaccinated? We have phone calls in daily to the White House, Brian. They don't respond. They don't deploy anybody to talk to us. They're providing no clarity on this matter. So the secrecy with which this administration is acting on this is appalling. I have right. calls into these places where they're sending the kids out on Long Island. They answer the phone. You ask them. They don't confirm whether or not they're taking in these migrant childrens. Uh, but we're on it. And may I remind you in this moment that we are on day two hundred and nine that Kamala Harris was put in charge. Of She's the, border.
2: the worst. Uh, I where you, is she? Well, we know she. Where was she? She's recording a tape uh, that was go to 300 churches in Virginia to help Terry McAuliffe. Uh, we know that she went and visited, I think, an aqueduct to see how bad global war- warming is affecting the water supply. But uh, Mercyhurst on or Mercy? Correct. Is it Mercyhurst? Uh, it's Mercy. Let me. This is one of the destinations of. Um, this is one of the destinations of these kids. It's on Long Island, and this is one thing I've learned. Mercy, years...
14: Mercy First, a Mercy nonprofit First. sponsored by the Catholic Sisters of Mercy.
2: So this is what they have going on right now. It is a very liberal institution. They are in the midst of trying to raise eight million dollars, of fundraising for their school. The tuition is about ten thousand dollars, so they're trying to get uh, They're trying to get money for the school to get more people and build facilities, but at the same time, using resources to help illegal immigrants come through. Now, when I was doing an MS-13 story, they were explained to me. That most of these people are illegal immigrants, came from the border, were placed in Brentwood, Long Island, which is like Bridgeport, Connecticut, okay. which is rundown, crime infested, uh, working class, uh, urban environment which are, over, the schools are overrun, the classes are too big, and the English as a second language is already under resourced. So most of these kids coming in, they don't speak English. Now to play out your chain, if you think, well don't you have a heart allowing kids to come here? Yes, there's a system. Mm-hmm. But how about the cartels that get cash as people cash in their houses to get their kids to America, and many of those kids will die along the way, be abused along the way, and more cash to the cartels, have. it's like paying the mob. There is no difference.
14: The New York Post editorial board, of course there's a sympathy for parents so desperate for their children to have a better life that they have a a seven-year-old walk to America. Uh, But by not having a set policy, by not forcing people to apply for a visa from the country they live in, you are making a mockery of our immigration laws, Brian. You are also encouraging a terrible, dangerous pipeline. How many children, the board asks, will be assaulted or die trying to to get here and absolutely everyone should be asking themselves that question
2: and one thing I, I applaud your staff for you guys are still calling you're calling yeah. trying to get a response and you go on at one o'clock today miranda divine went on to tell tucker this last night
3: we've done our best to get the information from the government but we've really been stonewalled uh no one wants to talk all that uh we referred to the health and human services and all they will say or the white house will say is that they have an obligation to look after unaccompanied children, and that's what they're doing. But they don't explain why they're doing it in the dead of night. Why is this such a secret operation? Why is no one talking about it?
2: So that so they can't get any answers. So they think they're just going to run out. They're going to run out the clock here because we're basically the only ones asking these questions, Sandra.
14: We have, and this is our staff today for America Reports. Our show, uh, we asked for the White House daily. We've asked for Secretary Mayorkas, Secretary Becerra. Or the head of the CBP. Uh, we have not gotten answers and they have not deployed anyone to us. We've also asked for anyone from the White House, anyone who can confirm or deny that this is happening, and if it is happening, provide clarity into it. We're not getting a response. We've been given a 12 p.m. deadline. HHS, we are told, has received our request and we are told they will reply before our show begins at one o'clock. So I believe we should have some sort of update or at least some statement on the record. Ted Cruz, though, he was on America's Newsroom this morning talking about the processing centers and how he's warning that what is happening now in some of these East Coast towns where in tri-state area where these migrants are getting bused and shipped all over and how that's going to change the communities here, making it not just a border issue, right? I mean, everybody's greatly affected by this. But when it comes to the processing centers, Ted Cruz says he's introducing a bill today that uh, crucial legislation, he says, that will alleviate the massive overload at the southern border. He says he wants to establish new ports of entry in Democrat led communities such as North Hero, Vermont, where Bernie Sanders spends his summers, Martha's Vineyard, where Democrat elites host their cocktail parties. I mean, he's given a long list for the Stop the Surge Act. Where they can process these migrants, have them show up at their cocktail parties—Greenwich, Connecticut; Martha's Vineyard; uh, Nantucket, Massachusetts; Newport, Rhode Island, etc. So, Ted Cruz has been sounding off on this very issue. But bottom line, this is this is going to affect everybody in every state of America. As you see those images of those migrants coming off the airplanes, getting loaded onto buses, and sent to communities, most of which are already struggling.
2: Yeah, uh, very true. Uh, I will say that they—I remember Martin Sheen in the 1980s. Uh, came out. He was the first li- outspoken liberal activist. He was the hottest uh, maybe actor in the country. And he said, for those people who have problem with homeless, come stay in Malibu. Yeah. That lasted about a few days. Right. And they, they, the town of Malibu was like, are you nuts? We do not want the homeless here. And he quickly retracted because not my problem. Those horrible middle and working class people can't be such snobs to not want homeless harassing their kids or their families
14: because those already hard-hit communities are the ones absorbing the migrants. Uh, uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis uh, responded to the New York Post reporting, saying, quote, if the Biden administration is so confident that their open border policy is good for the country, why the secrecy? Why is the Biden administration refusing to share even the most basic information about illegal alien resettlement in communities throughout our state and the entire country, obviously responding to the situation down in right. Jacksonville.
2: And lastly, here you remember I mentioned it was in Tennessee first. That's when we first started hearing about this. Senator Haggerty is the newest senator there, cut 23.
7: The Biden administration wants us to completely ignore this and look the other way. We saw this happen first in my home state of Tennessee. The Biden administration began to ship migrant children in uh, in the dead of night we caught them with, you know, on camera with private planes flying into Chattanooga, Tennessee. One of my friends was on a commercial flight and saw this happen as well. They landed after 1 a.m. They bring these children in, they put them onto the buses, they send them to undisclosed locations. One of the locations we did find out about had terrible crimes take place. They have actually had to shut it down. Yet there's been zero transparency from the Biden administration.
2: Because you know why? I guess they feel in those working class communities, they're not going to complain. You know, maybe that they don't know that, re- you know, they're so busy working, trying to earn a living, earning a couple of jobs, they're not going to go down and pick it.
14: Where's the White House? So do you have you had anyone from this Biden White House on your show? Um, do they deploy no. anybody to you? Um, mm. the, as far as the political strategies is concerned, and by the way, I'll also tease the fact that Jen Psaki is expected to hold her daily press briefing one o'clock Eastern time today. Obviously, Peter Ducey's in the room. Hopefully we get some sort of response to this specific story. At the end of the editorial post piece, though, uh, the board points out that Biden's trying to have it both ways. He can tell progressives that he's let in the vast majority of migrants, but he's also hiding it from the public in hope of not paying a political price. It's cynical and it's wrong, says the Post. So what does this politically mean, the implications does this have uh, for the midterm elections? One has to start asking themselves that. Democrats don't even like what's going on.
2: If you ask yourself who screwed up more things during the Obama years, the name Susan Rice pops into my head. Mm And I'm wondering, she's sitting there behind the scenes, couldn't get confirmed, and I'm wondering, uh, didn't try to get confirmed, excuse me, but she's behind the scenes. How much is her? Ron Klain seems remarkably detached. The president seems unbel- unbelievably, almost uninterested in his job. Ron Klain thinks theory.
14: inflation's a high class problem.
2: Right, and he <laughs> got it, and he caused Jen Psaki hell in the media room over the next two days on that statement. And unless it was a head fake, because they knew worse was coming down the pike. Uh, You know, then we saw Pete Buttigieg screw things up even more Sunday and say it's a good thing that there are 70 barges stuck off the coast of California, shows the recessions coming up. Sandra, here's the other problem. They're talking about food shortages now. They're talking about glass shortages now. So you could sit there and spin all you want and say this is great news. When your gas is double, when your children's shoes are double, when you can't go even buy inflated-priced goods – you cannot tell me that's not—it's that
14: Donald Trump's fault. And we anymore. still have massive, massive amounts of spending that is being discussed at the White House today. You've got progressives and moderates meeting with President Biden, All still week. talking about massive spending when we're already dealing with this inflation and supply crisis problem. Pete Buttigieg said it himself. He doesn't think that we'll even see a solution to this crisis well into next year. But guess what? He's putting reliance on the passage of the infrastructure bill. Well, why not vote for it? Right. Send it for an up or down vote as a standalone bill, if that's the answer.
2: I would think, but the, but the uh, liberal left will not handle it. Carl Icahn said this. He's the legendary investor right on. on CNBC, cut 18.
16: In the long run. We're certainly going to hit
13: the wall. And I get everybody, people may say to me, well, anybody can say that. No, but I really think there will be a crisis the way we're going, the way we're printing the money, the way we're going into inflation. I, I mean, if you look around you, you see this inflation all around you. And I don't know how you deal with that in the long term.
2: So do you think that raises eyebrows? You have that rich financial background when he makes a statement like that?
14: Well, because... Pete Buttigieg even said, well, we're at the supply chain crisis problem because of surging demand as a result of the Biden economy. Well, is that real demand or is that artificial demand because of the trillions of dollars pumped you into printed. the economy because of the COVID pandemic? One has to ask themselves, is that real demand? And Carl Icahn was basically made, made that point. We're unleashing all of this money into the economy. There's never an environment where you see deflation When you're pumping money into the system, and somebody like Carl Icahn is smart enough to say that out loud, somebody needs to say it. You never have inflation come down when you're still pumping money into the system, and that is currently happening.
2: Sandra Smith's going to have a few more minutes. Oh, does Sandra have to run right now? No, <laughs> she has a few more minutes. Okay. Sandra Smith's got a few more minutes, and her show starts at 1 to 3. We'll find out who's going to be on and what uh, news is going to break during that time. Uh, co-anchor of America Reports. Is that the only show you're doing today, Sandy?
14: <laughs> well, I was just on Barney, then you, and I got my flu shot. So,
2: All right, good. Uh, <laughs> the flu shot, not televised. Back in a moment.
1: It's Brian Kilmeade. Breaking news, unique opinions, hear it all on the Brian Kilmeade Show.
16: Well, the Biden administration has to enforce our tax laws, including rules governing 501c3 organizations, including churches. Now, part of those regulations include what's called the Johnson Amendment, and that prohibits direct politicking in churches in order to be tax exempt. So if churches play this video, they would be in violation of federal law. If the White House participated in this plan to have direct politicking, they would have assisted in that violation. Now that puts them in a rather awkward position, since their administration
2: has to enforce this very rule. Unbelievable, but that is Jonathan Turley breaking down the fact that the Vice President of the United States cut a video uh, endorsing Terry McAuliffe that aired in churches on Sunday Mass. That is a violation of church and state. Telling people who to vote for at church? I mean, fundamentally, why would you do that? Why would you okay that? And why did even Stacey Abrams go endorse Terry McAuliffe in a church over the weekend? With me right now is Sandra Smith to lock down this very heated uh, governor's race. But are they panicked releasing this in Sunday's church in order to turn out the black vote, I imagine? Pulling
14: all the stops. Um, black voters, obviously, uh, key to McAuliffe in this race. But to spur turnout, Kamala Harris, this endorsement, reportedly being played at hundreds of African-American churches around the state. Uh, the problem is the Johnson Amendment. Is you heard, Jonathan Turley, we had him actually on our show. I believe it was yesterday um, as this story was breaking. Um, I don't know. You can make the case that you're sensing a lot of desperation to go back to our point about we are inching closer uh, to the midterm election, still a long way away in politics. But you're at a point now where President Biden can't put up a win for his party. At all. His defense of that was, give me a year. Give me a year. (laughs) I don't know that his party can wait that long. Um, He's failing on so many different levels. Every day we're wondering how to lead off our show because it's a crisis at the border. It's a crisis in the economy. Some are predicting that we're inching towards a recession in this very moment. So where are we going to be where are we going to be a few months from now, Brian? I think I think that party has to start asking themselves that question.
2: So one of the big mistakes he seems to have made, and we're not looking back at the Biden presidency yet, but he got to John Meacham and all these uh, famous historians in the Oval Office and say, I want to be big. I want to be bold. This is an opportunity like FDR. And they said, yeah, you should go do this, this and this. The only problem is FDR and LBJ, who did bold things in 70 pieces of legislation for uh, LBJ in seven years. He has 70 pens up evidently in his library of all the legislation he signed, but he had 65 Senate seats, hundreds of advantages, and he's still still got Republicans on his side to pass civil right legislation. This guy's got almost no majority, and he's got no charisma, and he's barely getting by, and no one ever thought he was this great visionary.
14: And he's having to grovel to the very people and businesses that he has demonized so far with his policies. Case in point, the fossil fuel industry. He campaigned on doing away with the fossil fuel industry. You've heard him talk about it in the White House. And now with sky-high gas prices, this problem with the supply chain and filling up the the gas tanks in these trucks, diesel prices out of control, he's now looking to the big oil conglomerates and saying, we need your help. (laughs) Imagine the irony of
2: that. And what I hope, Sandra, is they take for a three-year deal. Three more years. Don't touch us. Let these pipelines stay online. Don't even think about disbanding the one from Canada to Michigan, which they're considering because they're also talking about opening up the strategic oil reserve. Reserve for this. Don't do that. That's what Ro Kahana was saying. Listen, I can't wait for your show. Hopefully you'll get some breaking news before you get on the air. The White House calls you back. On Tom Cotton,
14: thing. Rand Paul coming up. Jen Psaki also from the White House. That's
2: almost too much, Joe. Do you, <laughs> are you convinced you're going to get it all in?
14: <laughs> we will you indeed.
2: Are? All right, Sandra and John Roberts. We'll watch you at one. Thank you